with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets the crossing. It's towards one. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. You are listening to episode 65 of Give and Go, and I'm your host, Rotas Wadera. And thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Now, 65 episodes, honestly, what a blessing. Like, thank you guys for continuing to support. This podcast supporting myself and Girls Soccer Network, it's it's been a hell of a ride so far and we're excited to, to keep it going. Again, if you haven't listened to our other new podcast that has come out, The Big Life, Jordan Wicks and Sam Carey, taking you through a lot of incredible stuff from the college game, but also their last episode, Katie Save, talking to Katie Myers' parents about their daughter and some of the things that they went through and experienced. It's an incredibly emotional and amazing episode, so you definitely go check that out. And of course, for all the latest and greatest news, analysis, lifestyle, and everything related to the game that is women's soccer, go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com. Of course, on Instagram, at girlsoccernetwork, and on Twitter, at girlsoccernet. You can also give me a follow. Come find me. My handle is R-O-W-I-N-D-A-T-A-S-25, Rowan Datas. So again, if you have any questions, anything you want to be told on the show, anyone you want us to get in contact with who you feel like could be a potential great interview or anything you want us to talk about, please get in touch with us and please give us some feedback. Again, we are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, of course. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find this. Just search Give and Go from Girls Soccer Network. All right, we've got a lot to get to today. It's going to be a long episode. Two very special interviews. This The theme of this is kind of centered around two very underrated strikers in the NWSL who have been doing it for quite some time, and they really deserve some appreciation for everything that they've done for the league and just being all-around great goal scorers, great teammates, and great people. So Kristen Hamilton from the Kansas City Current and Tyler Lucy of the North Carolina Courage. We have both of those interviews for you. We will get to them shortly, but on deck, what we have for this episode is... The U.S. Women's National Team farewells will we'll touch on, of course, two legends retiring briefly. NWSL expansion has been made official with new head coaches being decided. We'll look at the NWSL playoff picture with a couple games to go. And then we'll get into a little bit of fun with with Europe, some, some news out of Europe as well. So, without further ado, let's start with saying goodbye to two legends. What more can you say about Megan Rapino and... Julie Ertz. I think both of them for different reasons, honestly, are legends. Both of them obviously were incredible players. Let's get that right. But I think for two different reasons, Megan Rapino truly was somebody who took a stand when no one else was willing to take a stand. One of the first players who 
took a knee to protest for the national anthem um, and did it continuously, um, was willing to voice her opinion no matter how it made her look or perceived by the public, she almost always was willing to take a stand and speak out against injustices that are going on in the world today. So, I mean, honestly, what is more American than that, than being able to, to take a stand for something that you believe in and not being afraid to stand up for it? There's nothing more American than that. So to see her go uh, against South Africa in that game, of course she was involved um, on the corner kick. It was just so fitting uh, that she was involved getting that ball into the box and then of course Emily Sonnet scoring and then they did the celebration together it was very emotional and again it was just the proper send off for Megan Rapino. what she really deserved she spoke after the game as well addressed the crowd and again rarely is she speechless but that's kind of what she was at a loss for words and uh it's it's certainly sad to see her go, and we're obviously incredibly grateful for what she did for the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, for young girls out there, and, and for what she achieved. And then, of course, we get to Julie Ertz, who really, to me, is like a Captain Marvel-type figure, because no one was willing to put her body on the line more. No one was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that the United States was going to win whatever game she was playing in no player was willing to do the dirty work more in the midfield no player was willing to sacrifice so much to to get that win every time she's out there she's throwing herself around always on the ground always taking some of the hardest challenges from opposing teams because they knew they knew how important she was to the United States' success, and they knew that they were going to do whatever they can to, to hurt her and inflict pain to try and get her to quit, to try and get her out of there early, to try and get her injured, and she not one time succumbed to that level of pressure, no matter how steep it was, no matter how difficult it was, she always persevered. And so, again, two legends are gone. Um, it certainly ushers in a new generation, we got to see some bright young stars get featured in the team. But the player that really made the most of those two games against South Africa was Trinity Rodman, who has been on a tear, two goals there. And then, of course, in the NWSL, the spirit were down bad coming in to last weekend. Okay, they, they hadn't won a game in God knows how long. It had been a while, slowly sliding out of the playoff picture. And again, they were about to head for another draw, which again, you just could not afford. And Trinity Rodman does what star players do when they step up in the biggest of moments. And right at the death, right at the end of the game, Trinity Rodman scored the game winner and really put the Spirit in a much, much better position. Sitting now with 29 points in fifth, so... They're a point ahead of the rain now, where supposed to, if they had drawn that game, they'd have been below the rain, sitting on 27 points, and they would have been below the Pride as well. The Pride would have taken their place in that sixth spot because of, okay, I'm biased, but the Pride got a lucky win in Angel City, because Angel City had about 20 shots in that game and couldn't score. And all Orlando needed was one snap chance catching... Angelina Anderson off guard, and uh, that was that. So, 
don't want to say any more about that game. But before we get into the NWSL playoff picture, like I just mentioned, we first will bring you that first interview with Kristen Hamilton. And again, this was a great conversation. She was super candid, super nice, really just all around great human being and a great person to talk to about her career, everything that she's been through, and kind of what it means for her to to really just put her best foot forward every day for the remainder of her career. Enjoy, guys. All right, so I am with Kristen Hamilton of the Kansas City Current. Kristen, how are you doing, and how is the team doing as you guys prepare to make this last playoff push with a few games remaining? Yeah, good. Um, I think as good as we kind of can be, <laughs> um, given the circumstances. You know, um, it's nicer going into the last few games, at least knowing we have a chance. You know, it would be even harder, I think, knowing that, you know, if we were out or not. Um, so for now, it's it's good. I think everybody's feeling motivated, um, feeling, you know, hopeful that things could fall fall into place for us. Um who knows how likely it is, but at this point, we're just kind of controlling what we can control and um, been obviously getting a few big wins. So hopefully we can continue that. You know, obviously the the Challenge Cup didn't go how the team would have wanted, but what does it mean for you to win Challenge Cup MVP and to have the tournament that you had? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I, I mean, I wish, again, I wish our team was in the final and had won. I think that was kind of everybody's, hope and goal but um for me yeah it's cool it was cool just to see kind of the chemistry that we were able to build within the challenge cup um you know we we ended up putting together some really good performances and you know I happen to be in the right place at the right time on a few of those so it was it was cool to be recognized in that in that way um challenge cup's kind of a cool little tournament that we we started to put on so yeah it's always cool to be recognized for that but you know I wouldn't have really had any of those goals had not been for my teammates. So it was a all around good team performances for those games. Now, this is your third stop in the NWSL. You obviously won two titles with the North Carolina Courage. You achieved a lot there. How would you say that championship experience that you got there, how has that helped you since coming to Kansas City? I think it's helped a lot. Um, I mean, just to have that experience of, you know, especially for last year when we had a lot of young players who hadn't been to a championship or let alone playoffs, you know, a lot of these players came from Utah or Kansas City back to Utah and, and didn't really get that experience of having kind of those knockout round games. So I think it was good to kind of have, um, be able to have a voice in saying, you know, hey guys, this is kind of what happens. This is what goes down, especially during championship weekend and stuff, you know, like expect all this media and in all of these little things that um, you might not know and could kind of stress you out. So I think in that regard, um, it was helpful last year. Um, and then just in general, I think I've seen a lot throughout this league and I've seen kind of the things that have worked and the things that haven't. So um, understanding kind of what has made the teams that I've been on so successful. Um, I think that being able to bring that and have that kind of um, past is is really helpful coming in being like hey guys you know no we actually like we have to buy in we have to be all on the same page um, just kind of little things that I think I can help have a say in you know being like this is what it takes to be a championship caliber caliber team. Do you feel like all of those little things that you talked about that that helped lead into the the biggest turnaround in NWSL history going from last 
to getting to the title game and what was it like to be a part of that experience? Yeah, I mean, I like to think it helped. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know, obviously we did, we were able to kind of write the ship a little bit. I do think, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Um, my very, I guess my second season in the league when I was in Western New York, before we got sold down to North Carolina, um, we were in kind of a similar situation, finished, I think, second to last in the league the year before um, in 2015. And then got a new coach and things kind of flipped and we were able to win the championship in 2016. So almost similar situation, but I think it, it was kind of interesting to me to reflect on that, um, that experience and say, Hey, you know, we have a new coach, same thing back then. And now we have a new coach. And like I said, one of the biggest things is just getting your players to buy in and as players buying into kind of the new coach and the new philosophy. So um, having experienced that where it's almost a direct correlation to kind of what was happening here in Kansas city you know, it, it's interesting to see kind of that buy-in from the team because, you know, you go from not winning a, hardly any games the year before to winning. It's it, You just can't keep doing what you were doing the year before. You kind of have to change your mindset as a player and you have to say, hey, okay, what was our role in this and what can we do to make sure that this season's successful? So it was actually really interesting to see kind of that similarity between the two seasons and how they both almost played out perfectly in, in sync and um, I think that that is a lot due to, you know, having new staff, new coach, and obviously coming off a really poor year, you almost have no choice but to buy in. So, so nowhere to go, but up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so tell us about how great of a fit Kansas city has been for you and what's your experience been like with the organization? It's been great. I mean, ever since I got here, I've been embraced. Um, it's yeah, it's closer to home for me, which is nice, but at the same time, just the coaches who have come in have really seen my value. Um, and then that's helped me obviously really feel like I fit in and can contribute to the team. Um, I think I've always kind of felt like that in my career that I could help and, and, you know, contribute and score goals and stuff, but I just was never really given that opportunity as much as I was here. So it was really great to have kind of the belief of the owners, the, the old coaches at the time, and then even the new coaches coming in, having that belief in me too. Um, that just instills so much confidence in you as a player. So for me specifically, I mean, just having those people who believe in me at the highest level that, you know, it, it allowed me to go out there and be me and just kind of not even think about things and just go out and play and do what I, you know, I've always known I could do. And you've also been able to do a little bit of work in the community in Kansas City. I think I saw on your uh, Insta profile the work that you did with Variety. Uh, tell us more about what that experience was like for you. Yeah, it's so cool. I actually just came from a little radio. They're doing a um, radiothon for Variety Casey actually right now for donations all like for the whole day in Kansas City right now. It's you can go on and donate. And, um, but it's really cool. Variety Casey's, you know, working on being all inclusive to kids with disabilities to help them be active and um, be active in sport and just be active in general. Be able, Some of them just being able to walk, be able to communicate, be able to talk. So they're really on the forefront of developing um, in devices that really help all of these children be able to participate in stuff. So it's been a really cool cause. Um, me and a few teammates went out to um, the first like all inclusive soccer field, which is basically just a surface that allows kids in wheelchairs or walkers to um, go out and, and, and be involved in the sport. So it was really cool to go out there and run a few little drills and um, just to see kind of the smiles on their faces when they actually got to be able to be a part of things and not just kind of have to sit on the sideline and watch. So 
that's kind of what they're all about and what they're doing. And um, with the Nationwide Community Impact Award that, you know, gives us a platform to highlight organizations like that. So that's been really cool and really rewarding to be a part of. Um, I think voting opens October 1st. So <laughs> anyone awesome. who wants to vote? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where can they people go to if they want to vote? Um, I think they'll they'll blast out like links that on all social channels and stuff. Okay. And I think Nationwide will have all the links and stuff put out hopefully hopefully soon perfect all right that is amazing though that sounds yeah. like some really awesome awesome work it's been really cool to be a part of so and now you are from Colorado right yeah. born born and bred and I think I'm sure you've noticed kind of like this explosion of talent coming out of Colorado um, into the NWSL some really incredibly skilled players obviously yourself Lindsay Horan Mallory Pugh Sophia Smith the list goes on and on what would you say it is about soccer in Colorado that helps prepare players to get to like the next level from youth level all the way through and like talk about your experience growing up? Yeah. You know, I think I, I'm, my experience is slightly different growing up just because we didn't have ECNL and stuff. I always, that dates me whenever I talk about that. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so that was kind of different, but I just, I mean, they invest in coaches. Um, you know, I grew up with having some of the best coaches I've had my whole career in my club, in my club days. So, you know, you see Lauren Donaldson, who's now coaching the Jamaican national team. He coached a lot of the Real teams, um, Real Colorado teams. And you see a lot of the players who came out of Colorado were under him. Um, Scott Evecker, there's just a handful of really, really good coaches. I think that um, really invest in the youth system and the development there. So I mean, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's going to be more coming out. I can tell you for sure. I've trained a few girls who are in college now and I'm like, there's no doubt they'll be here someday. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it, but I would definitely say that there's, there's some really good coaches at that level in Colorado. Now you've, I, I personally believe you've been severely underrated your entire career. Uh, you were a legend at the university of Denver picked last in the 2014 draft I think you might be one of the only players to be the last pick to make a best 11 um, for the NWSL which is incredible you you've flown under the radar for most of your career does that in any way add extra motivation for you or do you not look at it that way um I mean I think at first it was definitely like I don't know. I don't know. There's times I guess I go back and forth where I'm like, this is kind of annoying. And then there's times where I'm like, this is kind of nice because people still doubt me. People still underestimate me. And honestly, when I get out on the field, sometimes that helps, you know, people don't put as much respect there maybe that, you know, mm -hmm. some people might feel like I deserve, but um, yeah, I have always been kind of an underdog. I've never really been in the national team system. I got that one call up in 2019, but just kind of, yeah, just kind of grinding, kind of trying to implement, you know, what I can do on the field. Um, it's always been obviously motivation to just kind of prove that I can impact this league and I can play at this level. And I've shown it season after season now, especially getting to be a starter in Kansas city. So, um, you know, it's a little unfortunate. I didn't get as much playing time as I wanted to probably earlier in my career that probably would have helped things a little bit, but, um, I really grew and developed a lot as a person and a player, like having to kind of grind out those, those years and kind of earn my keep. So, um, it's nice to get a little recognition now, but um, it's humbling for sure. <laughs> did, did the lack of playing time ever discourage you? Did it raise self-doubt? Were you ever like, I don't know if, if this is going to work? 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost impossible for it not to, I think. 
But, I mean, the coaches at the time did a really good job of kind of, you know, making every single person on the team feel valued. Um, I think, again, that goes into how important, you know, a manager is of a team. You know, you're managing so many personalities and people that you got to try to keep everybody happy. Um, And they did a really good job of that. So for me, it was like, yeah, disappointment that I wasn't getting as much time as I would like to, but I knew that at training every day, I was still developing and I was still getting better and I was still playing with, you know, the best players in the world. And, you know, at some level, just kind of grateful to be there and um, just getting the chances that I was getting. Definitely at some point, though, it gets a little frustrating when you're like, I feel like I can be starting now or I should be starting now um, or at least getting more minutes and more time and you just kind of stop getting it. So, you know, as hard as my trade to Kansas City was and leaving that team was so difficult, I think it was probably one of the best things that happened in my career is getting here and getting a chance and yeah, just kind of not being stuck behind two superstars and Lynn Williams and (laughs) Jess McDonald. So (laughs) I think, yeah, you know, it's frustrating, but um, I always tell, you know, the younger girls here, who aren't getting as much playing time. I'm like, I wasn't always where I am now, you know, like I started it not traveling with the team and almost being waived multiple times and, you know, just kind of had to earn, earn my spot and prove that I deserve to be here, but you know, not everybody can handle that. So. Mm-hmm. Now you, you've obviously been, been consistently scoring goals your whole career. And like you mentioned, you've only gotten that one call up to the national team. I feel like U.S. soccer normally does call up the best goal scorers from within the domestic league. So why do you think it still hasn't happened yet? And what would it mean for you to get another opportunity with the national team? Yeah, I mean, I think that we have so many good forwards in this league um, and in the U.S. in general. Uh, I think it's probably one of the deepest positions that we have. So just kind of in that regard, um, I always knew it was going to be difficult, but yeah, I mean, I think I would like to think I would, you know, get another shot. Who knows? Um, I obviously am getting older, so that is a factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be awesome. I mean, I think that's everybody's kind of dream is to represent their country. Right. And, you know, whether you make it to an Olympics or a world cup, just to be able to put on the Jersey and, um, show what you can do on an international stage is pretty cool. And I think that everybody kind of strives to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool. It'd be awesome. But if not, like, that's not the end all be all for me. I just enjoy playing like every day. And, um, you know, sometimes it brings a lot more stress than it does (laughs) excitement too. So, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying where I'm at, um, focusing on what I can do now and helping this team win. So. You talked about how much you enjoy playing the game every day, what would you say is your favorite thing about scoring goals? Oh, that's hard. I think I've been asked this before and I still, I don't know if I have a, a good answer for it. Um, I feel like it's just kind of like the culmination of all the work you put in, you know, like you grind on a daily basis and, you know, you're not always going to just step out on the field and score goals. So you have to work hard at all of the little things and all the little details that go into getting you in the right spot at the right time. And, um, the technique of the finish and all the little things. So I think that when you get on a pitch on game day and score a goal, it's just kind of a culmination of all those little things coming together. And um, yeah, it's just a good feeling because, you know, it's not usually just me either. It's I'm being assisted by somebody or it's like last when we played San Diego wave this past um, two weeks ago, I was such a team goal. It was beautiful. Like it was what, like most amount of passes before a goal in the NWSL. So 
you know, I think it's not even just for me, but just for everyone and as, as a team, just kind of being like, okay, cool, putting ourselves in a good position to win a game. Um, yeah, kind of, I think all of that combined. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, having, you know, been through what you've gone through, coming from a smaller school, making it into the league and being the player that you become, what is your advice to all the young girls out there trying to take their game to the next level, whether it's high school, college, pro? My biggest thing that I always tell people is to be coachable. Um, you know, whatever coach you have at the time is obviously going to vary from coach to coach of what they kind of want from you. Um, so just being willing to learn and listen and, you know, obviously implementing what you bring to the table, but at the same time being willing to be open and listen and take constructive criticism is probably one of the biggest things that's helped me is just being like, put my ego aside and I don't know everything. And, you know, they, however, is going to get me on the field is what that coach at the time wants me to be doing. So um, that I would say, and then being in just making yourself indispensable, um, whether that's on or off the field. Um, I think I've been told once in my career back in Western New York, that the only reason I wasn't away from the team is because of how much I bring off of the field. Wow. And that kind of, hit me a little hard because I'm like dang okay like I might not be great at soccer but at least I can bring something to the team <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> which like might not be a great thing to hear but at the same time like it kept me in the league and it kept me under contract and it kept me in a position to do what I love and then I mean look where I got now so I think that that's kind of an important lesson too is you know you can be a good teammate and a good player um and just how you carry yourself on a daily basis is coaches see it, staff sees it, um, your, your teammates see it. So I think it's super important of just kind of the way you carry yourself and how you act and how you treat everybody around you. Again, that was Kristen Hamilton of the Kansas City Current. And you look at her career and that, that story that really stood out to me was the work that she had to put in from a point where she was told that she was still with the team because of what she did off the pitch rather than what she did on it and i think that really speaks a lot to how far she has come as a player because when she was with the courage and then obviously surprisingly getting traded and then seeing what she's done in kansas city and being a part of that turnaround where they went from last to the final last year you know she was obviously a big part of that and then she wins challenge cup mvp and rightfully so i believe it was seven goals she scored in the challenge cup so you know she's a bona fide goal scorer man and she's always been fun to watch and if you give her the slightest bit of room the slightest sliver of daylight she's going to make you pay and she's going to score so someone who we definitely felt like needed to be highlighted and shown some love and respect for what she has done and this is me you know advocating right now uh for her to get a national team call up i know uh you know players it seems like we've talked about the younger generation is getting an opportunity but you know you still normally give the best strikers in the domestic leagues an opportunity at least at, at some point or another and you think that she is going to be worthy of another one if she can put another season together you know, where she's like a top scorer and becomes a double-digit goal scorer, I don't think there's any way um, the, the U.S. women's national team can can lay off her. They have to give her a call-up. So, again, that was Kristen Hamilton. Hope you guys enjoyed it. But now let's move to NWSL expansion. Now, 
I'm sure as you guys have heard, it's been all over Instagram. Bay FC in the Bay Area has been um, has taken the league by storm. It's going to be an incredible new addition. We've already got two teams in California. We're going to have a third now, and it all it, every single area of California is pretty much covered. So it's it's exciting to have the Bay Area there. It's a big, you know, sports city as well, and there's a lot of history uh, with with Stanford and a lot of other colleges being so good at the game around there. So they recently named a head coach, Albertine Montoya, who was a former Stanford assistant and was an interim manager with the Washington Spirit last year. So from what everyone has been saying about him, the players, coaches, some Marguerite Alzaza, the UCLA coach, who I think worked with Montoya at Stanford, was raving about him, saying it's going to be one of the best hires in the game. And it does seem like a home run hire because, like I said, everyone's been raving about him. And he spent a lot of his career as a player and as a coach in the Bay Area. So he knows it well, and he's he's important to that area. And so it just makes a ton of sense. And we're excited to see how it turns out for him. Uh, so... Yeah, we're not going to have to wait much longer. 2024, they will be added to the league. So, you know, it's going to be a very exciting time to have a new team in in Bay FC. Now, the Utah Royals are also coming back. That doesn't seem like it was all that long. I think 2024, they will be coming back. Amy Rodriguez is going to be their head coach, and it's going to be a very... You know, the Royals were a successful club when they were in the NWSL. So you're talking about the 14th team being added to the league. And there's, they're, I guess they don't count as expansion, but they're kind of really just returning to a team that already was in the league. And then you have another announcement, Boston. Uh, it, oh, I don't think they're going to be the Boston Breakers. The Boston Breakers were, we've got a great article up on the site about it, but they were one of the original clubs for the longest time out of every single women's soccer league that was created prior to the NWSL the Boston Breakers were in it so to have if if they were to come back it would be a huge deal but I think just the fact that women's soccer is coming back to Boston is a big deal and it will be a few more years before that happens I believe 2026 is when they're coming into the picture so by 2026, there'll be 15 teams in the NWSL, which is just so incredibly exciting as we continue to expand. All that's going to do is give more players an opportunity. You know how difficult it is to, to break into the league because there's only so many teams and only so many players get opportunities. Well, by adding more you know, players and adding more teams you know to the league now you have at least another 20 players per team so that's another 60 players that are going to get an opportunity to show what they can do which is incredibly exciting for the growth of the league and as expansion continues you know it it means that you know women's soccer is in a, a tremendous place at the moment all right let's get to our second interview of this episode with Tyler Lucy and Tyler Lucy was someone we got to watch live. Uh, both Jen and I have gotten a chance to go to multiple Angel City games, and so we've seen Tyler Lucy from when she was part of the inaugural season last year. One of the players that Angel City brought in from Portland 
where she won an NWSL title in her rookie season there, won a Challenge Cup there. So she's had a ton of success and then now just won a Challenge Cup with the North Carolina Courage. I definitely wanted to ask her about how things went at all of her stops, what, you know, her journey from Princeton till now and some of the projects that she's been working on. Again, she was just super appreciative and, and super supportive of what we're doing. And so naturally we, we want to return the favor and do the same for her because she's, again, just like Kristen Hamilton, just someone who is so underappreciated in the league for just her skill level and, and what she does that we definitely wanted to make sure you guys got the chance to hear from her. So this is Tyler Lucy, guys. Enjoy. All right. We are with Tyler Lucy of the North Carolina Courage, um, a longtime NWSL vet at this point. Uh, multi-time NWSL championship winner and uh, Challenge Cup winner as well. So, Tyler, how are you doing? Uh, how's the team doing post the Challenge Cup title and gearing up for the playoffs? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on Give and Go. This is awesome. Uh, I followed you all for so long and just, you know, reaching out. And then I was like, of course, I want to be on this podcast. Like, obviously. Um, so, obviously, thank you all for you know, supporting the NWSL for supporting soccer all over the world. Um, so it's amazing what you all are doing and, and just getting the word out there. And we need more of that. We need more of that support. Um, so it's incredible. Yeah. So the team has been amazing. Um, obviously winning the challenge cup at home was phenomenal and, uh, yeah, it really took every single person on our team. Our bench is very deep, but it took every, literally every single person to make that win happen. And, and that's kind of the, the most special part of it is is my teammates and what we did to achieve that goal. Uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, we are still, you know, in the run of it for playoffs. We're in fourth currently, and that doesn't stop. So obviously we want to make playoffs, buy for a championship. That's, that's always the goal as a professional athlete. You want to win a championship. Um, I've been there before, and to do it with this team uh, where we are now and, and what we've done throughout the season I think would be probably – the most special of my career. Um, but, you know, every day it's it's just working hard towards that goal. And this table in the NWSL is probably the closest it's ever been, honestly, in the history of this league. Um, so it's going to be a, a fight and a race to the end of the last game, the last literal minute of stoppage time. Uh, so, you know, that's the mentality you have is, is play to the final whistle um, and have each other's back. So, no, we're excited and just taking it one day at one practice and one game at a time. So we're excited. And you talked about, you know, you've been there before. What was your experience with Portland like? Obviously, it's like, you know, the gold standard for what an organization has been for, for women's soccer. And how do you feel like that helped you when you moved on to, to Angel City and now with North Carolina? Yeah, I, I truly love my time at Portland coming there in 2017 and then my rookie year we won the championship so that experience was amazing to also for five years play with you know Christine Sinclair, Tobin Heath, Becky Sarabran, Megan Klingenberg, Lindsay Horan. I got to learn from the best of the best in the entire world uh, so it definitely helped my career and also just every day I was learning and growing and I grew so much not only as a player but as a person uh, and that was really behind having good team culture and every day, you know, I would stand behind Christine Sinclair and just watch her, how she struck a ball and, and tried to, you know, try to, you know, do it as best I could, but, you know, I'm not the goat. <laughs> so just every day, just like learning from players um, and improving my game. So that was really instrumental um, 
in in moving my career and going forward. And as you said at the beginning, now being a veteran, uh, Portland was really instrumental in my career and very fortunate and grateful to have that experience for so long. And then uh, moving to, you know, getting traded to Angel City was obviously so exciting for to be at a team that majority owned by women, uh, I was just like, let's go. And to see the investment um, was truly special to be a part of the first inaugural year and have over a hundred investors from all different types of backgrounds, communities was really wonderful and special to be a part of the first year. And obviously with an expansion team, they're gonna be growing pains um, and having to every day work with different people from different backgrounds and, and different experiences too. Uh, but it was really special to have all those people I met and obviously, you know, enjoy my time and miss, you know, the girls there and everything. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, and now being in North Carolina, it's honestly been probably the best move for my career that possibly could have happened. Um, and the trade was obviously very unexpected to come to North Carolina. Um, but it actually, I tell people it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. Um, and it's really been wonderful so far. You talked about the the trade being unexpected from Angel City. Um, I got the chance to to watch you live multiple times. I'm an Angel City season ticket holder, so got to watch you a That's lot. That's awesome. Yeah, what would you say happened uh, at Angel City? Because it seemed like you were a key piece of the team. The team was really like pushing you on on social media, and I saw you everywhere. So <laughs> I just wanted to know kind of what happened, uh, you know, in the, with that situation. Yeah, obviously, you know, um, soccer and professional sports it's a business. Um, I, I truly loved my time at Angel City um, and had planned on going back for my second year. Uh, but actually this year in January on the college draft night, I got a call uh, that night that I had been traded to North Carolina unexpectedly. So it wasn't my decision. Um, it's professional sports. It is a business at the end of the day, which I'm all, you know, I understand that. Uh, so definitely it was a bit sad to leave the girls. Um, a couple of them are like my best friends. Uh, but at the same time, like, I enjoyed the experience I had there and made the most of it. And now this is a new experience. And I think that's kind of the bigger picture I take of it is like any opportunity you have, we I can't control that. Like there's so many things in life that are out of your control, but when there's a new opportunity that presents itself, how do you make the most of it? And I feel like that's what I've been doing here at North Carolina. And just staying on Angel City for just a little bit more before we move on to North Carolina, I was just very curious to see when you were moved back to the defensive side of things. Like, was that tough for you at all when you've been you've been a great striker winger in this league for so long? What was that like for you to have to make that transition? <laughs> so moving, obviously, yeah, most of my career I've, I've played up top. I actually started in my youth days as a defender. So it kind of came full circle uh, playing defense last year for Angel City. Um, yeah, I remember uh, Freya pulled me into her office three and a half days before we were playing DC. And this was obviously early in the season last year. We had a lot of obviously injuries on the back line and she just said, hey, we're thinking about playing you left back for our upcoming game against the Spirit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, wait, are you serious? Um, yeah, very surprised, uh, very nervous. And, you know, it's always kind of been my MO of just like, I'm going to do whatever I need for the team so that we can be successful and win. And she obviously knew I could, I could run a lot, um, very intense. I, you know, I can, I can battle and everything on the field. And uh, so I, I took that challenge head on and uh, yeah, played left back in that game and had to go up against defending Trinity Rodman, which, you know, I was like, 
I just, I was, I was very nervous. Like I was also, you can ask some of the girls on the team. I was so locked in and so zoned in. Cause I was like, I got to get this job done. We have to win this game. Just give me the basics of what I need to do of how to play left back. Like I talked to, uh, I remember talking to Allie Riley. I remember talking to my younger brother, Morgan, who's played soccer as well and played outside back in different positions. Mm-hmm. I was like texting them. I was like, just give me the basics of how to find an outside back, um, <laughs> which definitely helps. Uh, but you know, I, I took all those nerves and the uncertainty and just played. I honestly just was like, okay, it's a game. I want to have fun. Let's just play. I know how to play soccer. It might be on defense, but we're going to try my best. Um, and it, it worked out. Uh, we won the game. And then from there on, I played right back the rest of the season. So every day was a learning process. I remember talking to like she's my best friend, Megan Reed. I remember talking to her after every game of like, okay, what should I've done there? What should I've done there? So she was helping me along the way, um, which was really like phenomenal and love her. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely beneficial and, you know, had a new experience and again, like took that challenge head on. Um, and that's always kind of been me. Um, and yeah, it worked out. And then obviously now I'm back up top. So I was just like, I kind of enjoy that. I know how to do that. Um, a little bit more. So it is nice to be back up top. Um, and yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Uh, so you mentioned earlier about kind of expectations and, and what things are like at North Carolina. Elaborate a little bit more on that, because it definitely seems like you're being utilized in a way that plays more to your strengths than what we saw at Angel City. Yeah, I think uh, coming here in North Carolina, I remember I talked to Sean and the coaching staff, which they told me I was going to be back up top, which I was like, thank you. <laughs> but at the same time, if you need me back there, I'll do it. Uh, but I remember talking to Sean, I had a really good conversation with him and just his belief and support in me, um, of continuing to grow my game up top and and things I can learn. And I've learned so much from the coaches here, um, just little details and everything. We're really all about the details here in North Carolina and our practices are probably harder than games. Um, and it's the mentality of practice like you play so that when we come game time, I mean, we're playing really good soccer, um, here in North Carolina. So it's been amazing. And yeah, obviously being utilized more um, definitely has has helped my game and continue to grow that every day. I'm still learning and growing and trying to get 1% better, but having that belief, not only in the coaches, but really my teammates, um, we're all about that support for each other. And from day one, we set the culture, we set our standard and we kept it very high and continued to do that. Um, And yeah, it's, it's honestly been very rewarding. Uh, But at the same time, it's just, it's also that enjoyment I have on the field too with my teammates. Um, and I think it really comes back to, you know, when you're in the moment, whether it's going good or bad, there's going to be ups and downs in anything in life. Um, and in professional soccer, it's going to happen, but being in the moment and enjoying it is definitely been the best part of the journey so far. Amazing. And would you say that, you know, the, the level of, of practicing that you guys are doing in North Carolina, was that anything like what you experienced in Portland at all? Like, was that, how would you? It's definitely different. Um, <laughs> obviously, every team's going to be different, mm-hmm. but I can say this is probably the hardest working team I've ever been on. I mean, we are probably the, I no, we're not probably, we are the fittest in the NWSL. Um, and yeah, so it's, we definitely held, hold each other to a very high standard. Uh, and it comes through a lot of, you know, heart and grit that this team has. And it's always that togetherness and the we over me mentality. Awesome. And going back to 
you know, your college days, I love following college soccer. And I know that Princeton's been a, you know, a staple of the Ivy League, probably one of the best teams in the Ivy League. And you were a star there for for four years. How would you say that has prepared you for the NWSL? Yeah, I think my time at Princeton was incredible. I loved it. Um, Definitely balancing, you know, academics and athletics was a process, but I think I was really prepared for that. Um, Coming from a very sporty family, like I always grew up with that um, and that mentality because, you know, I always focus on my nutrition, my, you know, well-being, getting enough rest, getting enough sleep. So I took that into Princeton um, and then that mentality I had, I always kind of had very professional mentality because throughout my time, I was like, my dream was to become a professional soccer player. Like I knew I always wanted to do that. Um, and having amazing teammates throughout my four years really helped me, um, and pushed me to be a better player and better person every single day. And, and having that, um, really helped me in terms of just being a role model with my actions, um, and a mentor with my words. And I've taken that to professional soccer and to my career. Um, so that's, been definitely instrumental and I think with the Ivy League it's like it's still growing it's still we're trying to put ourselves on the map and people know more about the Ivy League and Ivy League women's soccer and they're competing every single year in NCAA tournament which is awesome to see that growth Um, so it's like we really put ourselves on the map and I just love to see that growth uh, every single every single year so always in huge support and love to go back and see the girls play and just the growth of the team and uh, where they are now Um, and I think translating that over to preparing me for my professional career, I think it's it's done a lot to help me just not only as a player, but as a person, because taking my education that I had at Princeton is I want to take the league public. Obviously, the league is growing, you know, at a steady pace every single year with new teams and new investment. I think you really see that at Angel City. Mm-hmm. Um with the fan investment and the supporters and everything. But I think I want to create that fan and player shared experience um, really to get the full benefit um, and investment for a longer period of time. So Pagna League Public is still, I've written an entire white paper about it, obviously changes a lot, but I think it's a possibility because I want the fans to have an investment in the team more than they already do now. Because obviously you fans show up, you know, they love the game, whether they know about the game or not, uh, but they want to come, they want to see players play, they want to have a good product, but what do they get back from the game? What uh-huh. can they do more? And I think taking the league public would be incredibly beneficial. So that's definitely helped me in terms of where I can go, uh, where the league can go and uh, continuing to grow. So we will see what happens. That's awesome. So have you been like in, in talks with like the different athletic directors across the league? Is that something that like you started to have those conversations and it's like it's a process or how's that kind of gone about? Yes, I've definitely talked to multiple owners. They know this idea is around. Um, so I think right now they're mainly focusing on their primary teams, obviously, because you see Angel City has huge investment, but other teams don't have as nearly much fan investment. So it's trying to still work through those process, um, but it's going to take a little bit. But at the same time, it could it could be done in a couple of years. So obviously, we'll need to have more talks and, uh, you know, talk, hopefully talk to the commissioner um, and see what happens. But yeah, I think at the same time, the growth that women's soccer is having now and women's sports is having now mm-hmm. is such a pivotal time. And more and more people, more and more professional athletes from different sports are investing. So I think right now is is a great time. 
That's so cool. Yeah, the time is now. I hope uh, within a few years we, we see that, you know, come exactly. to fruition. That would be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, you talked about, oh, well, I guess your Princeton career kind of led to, uh, you know, appearances with the U23 national team. Um, what was that experience like and what would it mean for you to take that next step and get a senior call up? Yeah, so I got called up U23s primarily my junior, senior year and a little bit after that. Uh, so that was, I was so excited about that. Um, something I was like, okay, U23s kind of leads into the national team, hopefully. Uh, so I got to travel the entire world for camps and tournaments and everything. And a lot of the girls I met are still my year, obviously still in the league. So we all still know each other and play against each other and, and teammates I have now. I was playing with U23s like six, seven years ago. So that's incredible and uh, love that experience. It really was beneficial. Um, and to get up, to get a call up to the full senior women's national team would be amazing, obviously to represent my country. And it's been a dream and goal of mine. And every day, like I said, I'm working towards that and, you know, hopefully it happens. All right. Um, one thing that we've seen you do a lot is uh, your flex celebration. Where, where, where did it come from? What's the origin story? <laughs> how did, how did it start? Yeah, so no sleeves, uh, got a flex on them. Mm -hmm. um, is So ever since I was little, I'd always roll my sleeves up. Uh, hated sleeves. I've even told like our team managers and equipment managers, like, please cut my sleeves off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I always kind of just get like hot and everything. I'll just roll them up. And, uh, and I always like from a young age had very well-defined arms. And that was from having pull-up competitions with my dad and my two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. That's awesome. And every night we would literally have a pull-up competition. And uh, and then we'd have a pull-up bar right above our door frame, like right here. And, yeah. and whatever you did, like walk in, do a pull-up, walk on out, out of your room, do a pull-up. And <laughs> I just remember like in middle school when we had like our, you know, testing in, in school and everything for push-ups and pull-ups. I could always do the most pull-ups and push-ups as a girl. And I love that. And I love being strong and feeling confident. So from a very young age um, and just and having that family support and doing it together with my parents and my brothers um, has really created this lifestyle brand of no sleeves. Um, and just, you know, feeling confident um, in yourself, feeling strong and, and doing it together and uh, helping people kind of create that fierce mindset that they had of like, you can feel good, you can look good, you can have a healthy lifestyle and why not bring more people in to do it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really, you know, instrumental in terms of like, especially bringing young girls together um, with their families and everything and just having pull-up competitions. And I get updates from like family and friends that I know like, oh, I did 20 push-ups today or I did five pull-ups. I finally got my first pull-up full pull up today yeah. and I just love hearing those things because I'm just like yes you want to feel confident in who you are you want to feel strong you want to feel determined um so I just love that and continuing that literally since I was little um and now creating a lifestyle brand of that where everybody can flex their personal no sleeves like your sl no sleeves are going to be different than my no sleeves but we're going to come together and we're going to do it together no matter what um so just bringing the community together uh which is is honestly like really been instrumental in terms of like seeing those seeing those updates from people that I don't even know um even after games people are like I'm flexing my no sleeves and I just like yes let's do it together um so it's it's been honestly uh, amazing
That, yeah, that is amazing. You seem so invested in in community outreach and just doing what you can to to help others. So, tell us more about uh, the NCRC and and the work that you've done there. Yeah, so uh, National College Recruiting Center started in 2017 with my older brother um, Hunter, who's a professional triathlete and lawyer. So obviously both of us went through the recruiting process with college and everything, uh, but we decided to create a scholar athlete mentoring company uh, that connects parents and guardians and the scholar athlete to us as mentors um, and trying to make, you know, their lives better in terms of balancing education, athletics, social life, pressure and everything of like, hey, you have a mentor, you have somebody else that's looking out for you. Um, and, and just kind of like the little moments of encouraging their full potential, whether it's in school, whether it's in soccer or the sport that they love to do, uh, but just being there for them um, in so many different steps of their lives. And uh, it's definitely been probably the most, if not rewarding thing I've ever done, um, just to change someone's life from a young age and know that they're not alone, that they have somebody, uh, somebody else that they can talk to in terms of what they're going through, uh, the pressure if it comes to soccer um, or schoolwork and like how to balance all that, um, as well as like time management, nutrition, like every aspect of their lives, there's always that outreach of someone else who went through it. Um, and that's really beneficial um, to them because I know I had that. As a young, you know, 12, 13, 14 to 18, I always had mentors in my life, obviously love my parents and they've done so much for me. And if without my parents, I wouldn't be here today. And I always try, try to tell the scholar athletes that I mentor, like your parents, tell them thank you every single day because they're the ones putting a roof over your head, driving you to practice, getting you food. Like they're doing so much because they obviously want to see you be happy and try to be successful and love the sport you do and put everything into it mm -hmm. that I, they, I wouldn't literally, like I said, I wouldn't be here without them. Um, so that's why I try to like tell people like the people you have, whether it's your parents or your guardians, or it's someone in your life that is there for you, know that you have more people and mentors as well. And is there a website or place where people so can touch with yes, you? Yes, it's nationalcollegerecruitingcenter.com. So they can sign up. There's two different platforms that they can sign up for. Um, and it connects, obviously, myself, the mentor, the scholar athlete, and one parent and or guardian. Yeah, awesome. Right, so this is a, a bit of a personal opinion of mine, but I think you've been um, very much underrated for a, a large part of your career. Uh, do you feel like you deserve more respect and appreciation for what you've accomplished? Or do you not look at it that way and, and you're not bothered? Well, I do appreciate that. Um, to me, I don't look at it, honestly, don't look at it that way. I think, you know, I, I have to show up and give my all for myself first. I have to be my best self um, and, and do all the necessary things on and off the field uh, for myself first. And then obviously show up for my teammates, my family, for my friends, my club, my community. Um, so I think when I can do that, I know that what I'm doing every single day is, is right. And I'm not here to try to prove anybody wrong. Um, I'm just enjoying, like I said, I'm enjoying the process and wherever it takes me, I'm, I'm going to go full force and, uh, you know, give it my all. And uh, yeah, so I do appreciate it. I just, yeah, to me, it's, it's more about the journey, enjoying it and, you know, having fun. Absolutely. And all those things that you talked about, I guess that, that kind of parlays into this next question. What is your advice to, 
all those young girls out there who are looking to take their game to the next level, whether it's, you know, youth to high school, high school to college, college to pro, what would you say to them? I'd say love what you do. Give your all every single day. Work hard. Be a good teammate. Play with joy. And, uh, yeah, I think never let anybody dim your light. So if you've got that fire in you and you got that passion, you love what you do, then uh, give it your all and know that at the end of the day, what you're doing is, is it's going to pan out. Again, that was Tyler Lucy of the North Carolina Courage. And it seems like where she's at in, in North Carolina right now, that it's been a perfect fit for her. They know exactly how to utilize her, whereas you could certainly question Freya Coombs' use of her in Angel City. Uh, it was just a move that never really made that much sense to me. And I'm glad that she is back up top playing uh, where she's able to, to show off her skill set. And, and she immediately came into North Carolina and scored a couple goals. So it was just order was restored, so so to speak. And I think she, she referred to that uh, in her interview as, as well. So again, we're, we're grateful to have tyler lucy on the podcast and and see how supportive she was of what we're doing and we hope you guys enjoyed that all right the nwsl season is regular season is coming to a close soon and my god it is the closest it has ever been i feel like we say that every year but that's because it's true here's the lowdown san diego wave have clinched the kansas city current have sadly been eliminated after, again, that tough, tough loss, thanks to Trinity Rodman essentially ending their season, the draw. The draw might have kept them alive by a thread, but still, that essentially eliminates them. So, from 2 through 11 in the standings, still have some work to do. Uh, Portland, again, pretty much just needs a win in one of their last two games, and they're in. Okay, Gotham, same deal. A win pretty much locks it up. North Carolina, Washington Spirit, Oil Rain, Orlando Pride, Houston Dash, Angel City. That's where it gets kind of muddy. From 5 through 8 is probably where it gets the muddiest. Angel City, Racing Louisville, Chicago Red Stars at 25 and 24 points. They need a little bit of help from a lot of the other teams if they're going to really, really make it. Uh, Angel City, that game, again, I don't want to talk about too much, but it... It hurt me. I was upset the other night. And just watching how that unfolded, it it was not fun to see them lose that game. But Because it it puts them in a tough spot. And Orlando is in the driver's seat. Orlando's been playing great. uh, But they have a tough matchup against Louisville. And something tells me, based on the chaos that has already occurred, I'm going to take Louisville to beat Orlando in, in that matchup and I believe you know this episode is probably going to come out by the time these games have already occurred so if you want to go back and cross check me on this please do and if it's if it's dead wrong hold me accountable and if it's right give me the credit all right we want to be as accountable as we could possibly be I don't want to be the person that uh as a so-called expert or someone who watches a lot of games only comes and takes the credit when I'm right but not when I'm wrong so again come back to these recordings and you can see how right or how wrong I was but based on how lucky Orlando got in that last game I'm taking 
Louisville, especially because they're at home, and that is a tough place to play at Lynn Family Stadium. So I'm taking Racing Louisville. Arguably the biggest game of next round is the OL Reign versus the Washington Spirit because, again, it's five versus six. A win for either team really gives them some breathing room going into the last week. And they're in similar situations. Both were both were sliding. The Spirit got the win, but the Reign did really well to hold out with a draw after they had, you know, a lead. Then the Courage get it back. And then Alana Cook, I don't know what happened to the Reign on that corner kick where they pushed everyone forward they got, they were shredded on the counterattack and Alana Cook had no choice but to get take the red card and foul Caroline and the genius of the play it was so calculated she did it right outside of the box if she waited two seconds later to make up her mind it's a penalty rather than a free kick outside of the box the courage would miss that free kick Whereas the penalties, you're far more likely to convert that. And instead, all they had to do was see it through for 45 minutes you know, with 10 players. And they even created a chance or two. But to see that happen, that was incredible. So the rain did really well. I think, again, the winner of that game, their, their likelihood of making the playoffs goes way up. And so for me, again, I think that's a tough trip to go from D.C. to... to to Tacoma, Seattle area, uh, for if if you're the spirit, you're just coming off a win. I'm I'm taking the rain in that one because again, these if if they draw, that's a little bit of a buzzkill to be honest with you. If these teams draw, I'm not gonna lie, a draw is all of course always possible, but I'm I'm just strictly going wins wins and losses here. So I'm taking the rain uh, in that game, and I think that would put them firmly into the playoff picture, uh, into the top six and would need a lot to happen. Obviously, they would need to lose, and a couple of the teams below them would need to win in order to, to kick them out at that point, which I don't think would happen. Then you have Portland versus Gotham. That's going to be a fun one. Two versus three. And again, Gotham can obviously leapfrog Portland with a win. So everything is on the line here for Gotham. But again, the Thorns are at home. And I know... Which you're thinking, how can you take three home teams? But it's at the end of the season, and the Thorns have not lost two in a row in the league once this year. They did lose a back-to-back in the Challenge Cup and then in the league, but not back-to-back in the league. And you could probably go back and look. It does not happen very often. Providence Park is a fortress, so I'm taking Portland there as well. Uh, next up, you have the Courage versus the San Diego Wave. Now, this is a tough one to call because you don't know what the Wave's motivations are. Do they care about winning the hardware and getting the NWSL Shield? Full well knowing, we all know that there's the NWSL Shield curse. The team that wins, gets that first place trophy at the, at the end of the regular season doesn't always win. More often than not, they lose uh, in the playoffs. So, what are the Wave's motivation is going to be are they going to rest players with the courage come you know if they rest players the courage have a tremendous opportunity to to get the job done and really again give themselves some daylight i i know i i can't pick four home teams i can't do it (laughs) 
I'm, uh, you know, the the courage, the courage really, were, were they were the team, right? We talk about top six and it being so tight that someone that was in the playoff picture all year ended up falling out, and the courage for that team last year. You know, they they really dropped the ball in the, in the last couple games, and again, they've also been on a slide since winning the Challenge Cup. They haven't been able to bring themselves really back up to the level that they need to be at. So this is a tricky, tricky game. Uh, I'm not going to call it until I see what the Waves lineup is going to be. So if I had to pick, again, I, w- I would take the Courage as a fourth home team because, again, everything's on the line here. Um, so I- I- I'm going with the Courage, yeah. Then you have the KC Current versus the Chicago Red Stars. And, of course, the Current are out, but they're going to look to do whatever they can to really you know, make play spoiler and make it tough. It's not like they're going to lie down and just give up. So, you know, the Red Stars have a lot to do. I think, I really think, oh man, can I pick all six home teams? Am I going to pick the current? I kind of like the current to win this game. The more I think about it, the more I think, you know, Chicago has done really well in this latter half of the season, but I think Kansas City's got a better team overall. I really do. I, I really believe that. So I'm taking the current. Again, so when all six home teams lose and all the away teams win, you can come back and make fun of me. Uh, let me hear it on social media. But that's that's what I'm going with. Because, again, like I said, even in the last game, the Houston Dash versus Angel City, um, you know, Houston's on a roll. Actually, you know what? Fine. I, I'm going to ride with Angel City away from home after that stinker of a game where they could not score. And Houston's been on a red-hot run right now. All of a sudden, they're scoring goals, and that defense has been so rock-solid that when they score, they're going to pick up three points. So for me, it's one of those where every single signal points to Houston winning the game. But based on results from the last game, I think Angel City gets a big bounce-back win and really just makes everything so convoluted uh, going into the last weekend. I really think they're going to they're gonna pull this off. So that would put <laughs> that would put Angel City up on 28 points. If if the Pride lose to, to Louisville, that would put leave the Pride on 28. Louisville would be at 27. Houston would be at 26. And then it really comes down to how those top six games go if you know the rain beat the spirit it's gonna make for a sweaty last weekend for both the spirit and for the courage so it's so important that they get the results that they need Uh, so it's gonna be an exciting exciting weekend you're not gonna want to miss out on this and games start soon so so do not miss it i think friday through sunday are the games Two games on Friday, three on Saturday, and the one game on Sunday. All right, so we will wrap this up with some news from Chelsea. Millie Bright has been named Chelsea's captain, and you know how big of a deal that is because Chelsea is one of the biggest clubs in the world. And she just came off at an amazing World Cup where England got to the final. She was the captain there. She's made, you know, 245 appearances for the club and won 15 major trophies so she's 
you know, a, a big time player who is as reliable as it gets. So it, it's great to see her be honored, and she released a statement, you know, really saying how important, how much it means to her to to have this opportunity. It's a massive honor, she said, to have the title of club captain. Chelsea is my home. It always has been and always will be, so I'm delighted to have that title. But nothing changes. I'm really in a privileged position, end quote. So excited to see Millie Bright there. We're also excited to see Mia Fischel there, who made the move this summer and immediately scored a goal in her first game. So Mia Fischel, if you're going to do that, and we're probably going to see her play Champions League football as well, it's incredibly exciting. And it's only a matter of time before she gets more call-ups to the U.S. Women's National Team. So we've got a new star in the making there. Obviously, we're, we're hoping that we that she will come to the NWSL one day so that we get to see her more often. But otherwise, you know, it's still a huge step for her to, career to be at Chelsea, surrounded by all those superstars for her to be able to... She's a star in her own right, but she has an opportunity to transcend a superstar status when you're at a club there. And if she produces on the level that we know that she's capable of and continues to grow and expand her game, she's going to be a big-time player for the United States women's national team down the line. So we're excited to see her do that. All right, that is all that I have for you on episode 65 of Give and Go. Again, I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girl Soccer Network. Again, for all the latest and greatest from the world of women's soccer, go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram, at Girl Soccer Network, on Twitter, at Girl Soccer Net, and of course, if you want to give me a follow, come find me on Instagram, at R-O-W-I-N-D-A-T-A-S-25, Rowan Detas. Thank you guys again so, so much for tuning in. And please, again, continue to, to give us feedback, help us out how in whatever way possible. We are truly appreciative of each and every one of you who listen. Love y'all. Peace out.